One, two, three, four, five. Twiz Brilligan, the Slithy Toasty, Gyron Gibble, and the Weibel. Well, Mimsy, where the boar grows, and warm rats outgrave. Beware the Jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Oh, shun the Jewbird, and shun the from its bandersnatch. So he took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the magsome foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the Jabberwock, with eyes of flank, and whiffling through the tulgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, through, two, through and through, snicker snack, he left it dead. And with his head he went galumping back. And hast thou slain the Jabberwock? Oh, come to my arms, my beamish boy. Oh, frabjous day, kelu kele, he chortled in his joy. Twas brilliant, slightly toes, gave him a bull in the wave. All mimsy were the boar grubs, and more rats outgrave. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make a goofy solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make a goofy solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Welcome back to Polkcast. Um, I'm your host, Madison Fantosi. And I'm your co-host, Leo Bartholomew. And we have Polk State biology professor Joey Meyer here today. Hi. Um, he is a man of many hobbies, and he joins us today to talk about shark tagging and how students can get their feet wet in Guadalupe this spring break on a study abroad trip focused on environmental and ocean sciences. Um, Professor Meyer got his bachelor's degree in biology from Andrews University and studied dolphin wrist bones at Oklahoma State when he earned a master's degree in physiological sciences. Joey brought his passion for biology and everything underwater to Polk State in 2004, and since then he's earned a reputation for being a professor who takes hands-on, innovative approach to teaching. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. So before we get into shark tagging, tell us um, where your fascination with science in the ocean comes from. That is actually a much harder question than you think. As far as I know, I've always been interested in the outdoors and animals. Um, it probably started with my parents reading to me nature stories, like all, all the Sam Campbell books. Um, when I was a little kid, I had a subscription to Ranger Rick magazine from the National Wildlife Federation. So that's a longstanding thing. And I don't even know when when the oceans thing started. I know that when I was in high school, I had 20 aquariums and I raised fish and sold them to pet stores. So it's a, it's a long thing. Um, I know we didn't used to live in Florida. We uh, lived out of state, but my grandparents lived here. Mm-hmm. And so we used to come all the time. And I remember when Epcot opened and I came and I, w- I was 11 when I saw the Living Seas for the first time. In, in 82 and that was certainly impactful on me because um, you know the, all the talk about undersea bases and people piloting submarines and, and I'm like that that's the future I want right <laughs> um so and I ended up going back there and working as a marine mammal research intern studying or assisting people who were studying dolphin language really yeah and so what about studying the dolphin wrist bones why that specifically because at the time I was like, I really want to study dolphins. Yeah. And, and so I was like, I'm not a physiology guy, I'm more a behavior guy, but yeah, whatever. Um, if you get a full scholarship, you take it. You, yeah. you don't argue. You take it. That's yes. a good message for the students. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us how you got into shark tagging. Oh, that only happened recently. Really? I was uh, bombing around on Twitter, and I follow a lot of, a lot of scientists on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of shark scientists, and it became very clear that 
they have public outreach programs where the public can come and participate. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing something that any member of the public can do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a researcher. I'm not leading a research program. I'm just riding along in the boats, watching and doing things with them. That's fun. Yeah, it's very fun. Tell us about the process of tagging a shark. Um, well, it depends on what group you're with and what they're studying. You're certainly going to be riding along and watching. You will probably take measurements off of the shark. You do that, um, you'll probably take a skin sample that they'll use for looking at the shark's DNA or stable isotope analysis. They can also use blood components to do stable isotope analysis, which is fascinating. Basically, the shorthand is you can, by looking at tissue or blood plasma or whole blood, there are different time periods involved, but you can tell where it's been living and what it's been eating in that amount of time. It's much easier than the old method. Um, I, I know a researcher named Chuck Bangley who catch, he, he caught a bunch of dogfish when he was working on his PhD and had to flush their stomachs <laughs> to see what they've been eating. Can I interject with Joey's outfit right now is just on point. He's got a shark encounter shirt, which is camouflage, blue camouflage. He's got a St. Martin hat, and he's got a water bottle that is part of a scuba tank. It looks yeah. like it's a scuba tank. It yeah. is. He is decked out. Decked out. I was at Moat Marine Lab Shark Encounter where we were feeding, um, well, we were supposed to be just feeding uh, black nose sharks, but we felt sorry for the nurse sharks, and they got some too. That's nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a blast. When you're doing the the actual process of tagging, mm-hmm. um, you can ride along. Obviously, you can do measurements. Uh, they'll have someone who punches a hole in the fin usually, depending on the type of tagging that's being done. Mm-hmm. You, a lot of times it, it involves putting a tag on the fin. And so you'll, you'll have somebody who punches holes. you have somebody who puts the tag in place. Um, and again, what tag you use depends on the type of research you're using. If you are doing something like we often on TV, like on Shark Week, you see people putting these satellite tags on. Those things are really expensive. Those are only used in cases where you have a lot of money in the research program, where you expect to get a lot of interesting data. And it has to be something that comes to the surface often enough to have the antenna on top break the water. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that could be done that are not as uh, obvious, you could put, for mark recapture, you could put a rototag. It's basically a glorified version of a cattle ear tag. Um, you can attach rototags, and that's, I've done that. Um, I've mean, done that myself personally. I've been on the boat when they put pit tags in. That's basically the same microchip as you have in a pet. When I was with the Bimini Shark Lab, every shark that they caught, the first thing they did is at the base of the dorsal fin, they put a reader, just an ordinary, they kept it in a plastic bag to keep it waterproof, but they put a pet ship reader up there to see if this was a shark they had shipped before or not. Um, some people use what are called KC tags or M tags. It's a little metal probe that goes under the skin and anchors it, and then a long plastic streamer coming out from the skin. Um, Sharks are really resistant to infection. That really doesn't cause them a problem. Okay. Um, and the most interesting one, and I got to hold the tail when we did that. Actually, I did the measurements and I did the skin sample and I held the tail. Um, but there was, uh, when I was in Bimini, we took a uh, female lemon shark. She was 195 centimeters long. So she was 
just about to be old enough to have youngins. And um, we held her upside down, you know, that makes them go into tonic. So they're a little more stable. A lot of people say it's like they're hypnotized. That's not true. Um, they're, they're, but they're chill. They're a lot more calm. They don't move as much. And um, I held her tail while they cut a little incision in her belly and inserted an acoustic tag in her belly. They have a whole bunch of hydrophones, underwater microphones around the island, mm-hmm. and they can tell where they swim when they come back into the area. It's just like Peter Pan where you had the crocodile swallow the clock and tick-tock, tick-tock. You knew when he was around, knew he was in the area. They can do that. Okay. And the batteries to drive this acoustic pinger last about 10 years. Wow. So different tags for different research programs. Um, but everybody takes the same standard measurements, but what you do beyond that totally depends on the organization. Well, can you expand a little bit on what researchers are trying to find? Um, Everybody's overall goal would be usually life history, trying to find something about life history. You could do that with a simple rototag. Oh, we tagged it here. Does it come back? Does a fisherman catch in the area? Same with the Casey tag. With an acoustic tag, you know if it swims in the area and it goes away and comes back because it'll register on the hydrophones or not. Doing that, they've figured out that lemon sharks come back to give birth in the same place that they were, where they grow, they grow up in a mangrove, and which is like a flooded forest, and they come back to the same place to give birth because then their baby can grow up in the same spot. Mm-hmm. But unlike salmon, when they do that and they die, uh, lemon sharks can do that every couple of years. So. Um, and, and we know that they don't hang out there because they're not registering on the, 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 the microphones, the hydrophones. Okay. We know that they are coming back every two years or so. And because of other research, you know that they're pregnant when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, at University of Miami, one of the things they do is blood work. And look at that, and they were doing pretty good work on figuring out pregnancy. And now, that, that was a few years back when I was doing that, now they've progressed to the point that a lot of times when you see them on Shark Week, they actually have an ultrasound wand, and they're ultrasounding the baby sharks. That's that's University of Miami. Um, but they're wanting to know about pregnancy. They also, looking at blood hormones, figured out uh, uh, that some species of sharks are more highly stressed just by looking at the levels of stress hormones. Some of them get a lot more stressed by handling than others. And because of that, it changes how they recommend that people should fish. Um, if you pull up a nurse shark on the boat, everybody's like, oh, great, let's all we do our work up and let's all pose for photos. Yay! Um, you pull up a hammerhead, like, everybody back, only the grad students. we got to get this boat on, this, this shark on and off the boat as fast as possible because these things stress and die super easy. They say that if a fisherman fights a hammerhead on the line for 20 minutes, they probably killed it, even if they catch and release it. Wow. It'll go away kind of looking groggy, and it'll never recover. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I caught a hammerhead in my line. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I've only, I've only seen two, and they were both with University of Miami. Um, and they were both long enough. They did not fit on the plastic platform that they pull them out on. So. Wow. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. Well, tell us what other sharks you have seen out in the wild. Uh, well, I have swam or waded in the wild with uh, nurse sharks, lemon sharks, uh, Caribbean reef sharks. If you count ones in captivity in aquariums, um, whale sharks, sand tigers, black tips, black nose, sandbar, uh, zebra sharks, and two types of wobegongs, which are carpet sharks, um, the ornate and the tasseled. And if you count ones on the 
boat that I wasn't in the water with, um, bulls and those two big great hammerheads. And so what's your favorite? I tend to like weird things. Um, I've never seen and would love to see a wing head. They're like a small hammerhead with enormously long hammers that point backwards. Or uh, swell sharks. Um, except if you go look for swell sharks, you want to look at them at night with uh, black light because they biofluoresce. Cool. Um, yeah, so they, they, they glow green. That's neat. Yeah. Like phosphorescent style? Yeah, uh, yeah. well, you have the right idea, but phosphorescence is... When you put a light on something and you take it away, you've excited the electrons at high energy level and oh, they're okay. reflecting and they're giving off light and that will go away. Same idea with biofluorescence, except that it's instantaneous. It won't maintain the glow when you take the light away. Oh. It's more like uh, when you're hunting for scorpions at night, like we mm-hmm. used to do in Oklahoma. You don't go out with a flashlight. Well, you can to make sure you don't trip over things as you're getting there, carry a flashlight, but carry a black light. Mm-hmm. Because it'll make the brown, boring scorpions look... Green. Yeah. Well, actually, it'll make them purple. The black scorpion, you're thinking of the big black emperor, they glow green. Yeah. But yeah, um, the the sharks, the swell sharks, they glow under black light. Isn't that swell? Very punny. <laughs> very, very punny. When is Shark Week? Oh, that's a dreadful question. I don't know. Okay, um, I thought maybe you would be like, this date to this no. date. Um, most people who are really interested in sharks have a jaded, a slightly jaded view of Shark Week. Right. Um, in the past, in the past two years, they've been doing a little better at trying to go back to their roots and have scientific, factual shark information. But there was a very dark period not too long ago mm-hmm. when they ran ridiculous things like, do megalodons exist? And I'll go on record here saying, no. Yeah. <laughs> They're all dead. Yeah. Um, or uh, the the giant hammerhead seen offshore named Hitler for the past 30 years. Guess what? Um, if there was a shark that big, they don't live that long. Right. <laughs> hammerheads have shorter life. Yeah. Um, they were obsessed with megalodons for a while. Like, they were. It was like one season, two or two seasons were just pure megalodons. Right. And that was an unfortunate period. And they haven't gotten back in everyone's good graces since then. Yeah. Um, megalodon was the death of them. <laughs> as, it's, as it should be since it's death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't watched Shark Week in a while, but my... What I remember about Shark Week was it kind of made sharks seem scary and it's bloody and, you know, that's how I think of Shark Week. So tell us, have you ever been bitten by a shark? Um, not, I've never had any serious injury from a shark. Um, people who are around sharks a lot more than me, like researchers, a lot of times they get what's called shark burn. It's like rug burn. Um, if you're trying to hold a shark, restrain a shark because of the dermal denticles in the skin, they'll get rubbed and abraded. It's just like having sandpaper rubbed on you. Not comfortable. A lot, that's why you see a lot of people wearing long sleeve shirts when they go out even in the middle of summer. It's, yeah. Oh, man, my shark burn is killing me. Oh, I know someone who got really bad shark burn. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been nipped by a, a little tiny dogfish, but I totally deserved it. Um, you, can't, you can't expect any animal to not try to defend itself when it's being picked up and taken out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably shouldn't respond to questions like, where's his mouth, by pointing at the mouth with your finger. 
and putting it within reach of the animal. Um, so I, I deserved it, you know, but nothing, nothing bad or horrible. Okay. Well, you're probably one of few people that you can say I've been bit by a shark. Even um, if it's just a tiny little nip. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I'd use that to my advantage. I have used it to impress small children in the line <laughs> at Universal's Jaws ride before the Jaws ride disappeared. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> I missed that ride. I grew yes. up going on Jaws. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this spring break trip that you are planning and what students will experience there. Will they have any interactions with sharks? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. But it's going to be an amazing trip. It, at least I should say, if it's going to be anything like the one last year, it will be an amazing trip. Um, we are, the science department here is taking a group of students to Guadalupe. Uh, last year we had a number of classes involved, so I don't know how many classes we'll be doing this with. But what we did is we took the classes and we made them hybrid classes. Mm -hmm. So most of the coursework was online, but for your lab component, you would then travel to the French Caribbean. And we did it over Thanksgiving break. This year we've decided it would be good to not do it during hurricane season. It's good. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do spring break. You could spend spring break in the French Caribbean as part of your class. And if it's similar to last time, there will be hiking up a volcano uh, and up the slopes of the rainforests, um, snorkeling in the Jacusto Memorial Reef at um, Malte, I think it's pronounced Maltelur. But anyway, uh, snorkeling in the Jacusto Memorial Reef, and um, we made little lassos out of palm fronds and used them to lasso lizards. That was actually not just, oh, gee, I caught a lizard. It was actually useful for research. Um, the University of the Antilles, the professor who taught us how to do it, he was doing a study on pre- and post-hurricane lizard populations. He'd already been studying the lizards there, but we helped him catch lizards for his research. It was fabulous. Um, we did a little bit of limnology, freshwater stuff. Uh, we took ROVs that we had brought with us, remotely operated vehicles, underwater robots, totally fabulous. Cool. And, uh, and we uh, drove them around in a lake there to look at stuff. Um, and uh, this year, um, going back, hopefully, with a bigger, stronger, better robot. Uh, so it'll be even, even more exciting. Um, and uh, let's see, what else we did? There was shopping. It is overseas. We did have shopping. Um, and actually I'm going to use that because I'm teaching a marine biology class. So if you wanted to take marine biology and spend spring break in the French Caribbean, there is an option. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, but one of the things I'm going to do is, uh, talk about ocean plastics. And in order to do that, something that's interesting is in Florida, we actually have a ban on local municipalities making bans on plastic bags. Okay. Well, in France, and Guadeloupe is part of France, they recently banned the use of single-use plastic bags. Businesses can't do that anymore. So I'm thinking I may have my students talk to their vendors and see what, when they're out shopping anyway, interview some people and see what type of change this has made. Has it been a huge impact for you? Because the argument we have here in Florida is, oh, well, we can't do that because it would greatly impact all the vendors. Let's talk to some people where it happened and find out. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Neat. 
Um, well, how do students sign up for this opportunity? You would contact Kim Simpson. She's the coordinator of our Global Initiatives Program. Her extension is 6439. Her email is ksimpson, that's K-S-I-M-P-S-O-N, at polk.edu. Awesome. And is there anything else, anything that you think we've missed that you wanted to include in this episode? Um, well, I do want to point out that I've only gone out with uh, three tagging programs. That's Nova Southeastern, University of Miami, and the Bimini Shark Lab. Um, I try to do Nova as often as possible because of those three, that's the closest. But there are lots of organizations that have shark-related outreach programs where the public can do this. Anywhere in the state, I'm sure if you're near a coast, the closest school to you is probably going to have something or the closest organization probably going to have something that you can do. I would not just think, oh, it's those three schools or, oh, it's South Florida. Um, talk to whatever's going Find out what's going on around you. And there will probably be a shark program that you can get involved with. Awesome. That's good for listeners to know. Leah and I might have to have to get started on some shark tagging. Oh, that would be a blast. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, um, and it was great having you. Okay, thank you. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you for all of the information, too. That's, you, you are the shark guy. Any questions about sharks? I'm sure Joey could answer them. I wouldn't go that far, but I'll answer any that I can. There you go. I, I do want to point out that uh, Anthony Cornett studied sharks. Nice. He got his master's degree studying sharks. Well, I'm not the only marine biologist in town. Wow. We got a Polk State. Shark capital of Shark capital of Polk County. Oh, there you go. There you go. Central Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. That was fun. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe wanna tap a toe. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe wanna tap a toe. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Yeah!